Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Without further ado, let's join the choir and quartet as today's broadcast of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour gets underway. There's just one down here in the audience hasn't raised his hand. Well, I'll teach it to him at the close of the broadcast. Let's all stand and sing Heavenly Sunshine. Do you good, huh? You know, turn around, shake hands now. You sing through the first time. Come on. Um, turn right around.
Don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Oh, hide me over in the rock of ages, rock of ages, left for me, left for me. issuing a little publication called The Heart to Heart. These are filled with heartwarming helps along life's pilgrim way. If you'd like to have a copy of this, send your request. In these closing days, I'm sure that you will agree with me that the old world needs the glorious gospel of salvation as never before. And you should know something about what God's Word teaches relative to the closing days, these perilous times. Remember that the old-fashioned revival hours made possible from week to week by your free will offering. Now, honey, I didn't mean to talk so long. Go right along with the letter. It's all right with me, certainly. <laughs> Greetings, friends. 
A man from Ontario, Canada, writes a good letter in which he says that he and his wife, an 18-year-old daughter, never miss the hour. They arrange everything to that end. In closing, he says, I was saved the first day of March 1942, sitting by my radio, listening to your message. And that is why your program means so much in our home. From Tampa, Florida, I am a sea captain, and how I do enjoy listening to you while at sea when there is no other means of getting to service on Sunday night. It sure means a lot to me. From Minnesota, a lady writes, I received a letter from a friend, a missionary in Assam, India, who tells me that they hear your broadcast clearly out there. It serves as a great inspiration and makes them feel as though they are not so far away from home after all. Dear Reverend Fuller, God has redeemed my soul in the most wonderful way. I went from a worldly social position to the gutter, and there I found I had no place to eat and no place to sleep. I traveled in boxcars from one part of the country to the other, but now your gospel hour has been like a beacon light directing me to God. I have now found Christ as a friend and a joy that I never dreamed of. Today I am back with my dear wife. We have happiness and contentment that we never knew before by the grace of God. From a state hospital for tuberculosis, I was feeling blue and lonesome for my children tonight when I tuned in on your program. When I heard the old hymns, it reminded me how much I have to be thankful for. There is nothing like gospel songs and the word of God to comfort a lonely heart. Although I am so much better, I cannot go home yet. And when I do go, I cannot have any of the children with me, which will be hard. But God is good. I am putting my trust in him. So why should I be downhearted? And that is all for today, friends.
man please one verse of just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. An invitation number. Christ is inviting you to come, though your sins may be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow through the blood of Christ. Let's everyone sing a great audience here today. Father, how thankful we are today for Jesus, thy Son, the Son of God, the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. And we're so glad that many years ago we came and fell at his feet by faith, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed us from all sin. The penalty of sin passed away, for there is thou no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And now, Father, for everyone in this visible audience and out in the great multitude of the radio audience that are under a load of sin and condemnation, may they make the right choice today and come to Christ, the Savior of the world, and become new creations through him and his marvelous power. Born again, good witnesses, crowning Christ as Lord, We'll give thee all the glory, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Upon a wide and stormy sea, thou sailing to eternity, and thy great admiral orders thee, Sail on, sail on, sail on, sail on, sail on, the storms will soon be past, the darkness will not always last. Sail on, sail on, sail on, sail on, God lives and he commands, sail on, sail on. I'm 
Fashioned Revival Hour coming to you from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. 
This is Charles E. Fuller speaking. Now, just before I bring the message, let's all sing There's a Fountain Filled with Blood Drawn from Emmanuel's Veins. And while you're singing, turn to the 13th chapter of Genesis. I'm going to speak on the tragedy of a wrong choice. In chapters 13 to 19 of Genesis, we find the account 
of a comparatively young man, one possessing flocks and herds, a wealthy young man, but one who made a wrong choice in life and came to a tragic end. Successful from the worldly standpoint, this young man became a mayor of a large, thriving, prosperous city, but that city in the eyes of God was a very wicked city. And at the close of this young man's life, we see him stripped of all his earthly possessions, losing his family, his testimony, his wealth, his high position. And the account closes with this young man eking out a living in a cave. The tragedy of a wrong choice. Chapter 13 opens with Lot and his uncle Abraham standing on a mountain height at a place called Bethel, the house of God. The two had just returned from Egypt, whence they had journeyed some months previously because of a grievous famine in the land which God had promised to Abraham. They both went down poor, but now they come up out of Egypt Abraham, rich in cattle, in silver and gold, and Lot, Abraham's nephew, likewise came back having flocks and herds and tents. Both uncle, the uncle and the nephew, in the eyes of those around about, were wealthy, had everything that heart could ask for, prosperous, successful, Little did they realize that the scriptures a little later would write, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Before long, strife arose between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. The land, according to verse 6 of 13th of Genesis, The land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. Now the plain facts are as follows. There were not enough water holes to water the flocks and the cattle. There was not a sufficient amount of grazing land to take care of the increase in flocks and herds and cattle which Abraham and Lot had brought up from Egypt. Strife, contention, wrangling, tempers got hot. No doubt there were many local quarrels. Hot words passed between the different herdsmen. Tempers flared red hot. Trouble was ahead. I want to say this to you, that in the times of trouble, a man's real character will show forth. That's when the real man, the real character, stands out, is when you face different trials. Well, we see Abraham and Lot making choices. Lot made the choice ending in a tragedy. And the Holy Spirit often places two men in close position 
men of widely different characters so that we might the better learn the lessons he would teach us. As in the case of Abel and Cain, Abel came by the way of the blood-sprinkled mercy seat, teaching and believing that the only way of approach on the part of sinful man to a holy God is through the death and the shed blood of an innocent substitute. Cain says, away with that. He brought the fruit of his own labor. Again, we have John and Judas among the disciples in the day when our Lord was here. John, quiet. Deep spiritual, the one that leaned upon the Lord's bosom at the Last Supper. Judas, a hypocrite, selling his Lord for thirty pieces of Paul and Demas, Paul who said, I count all things lost. Demas, Paul said, has left me. The offense of the cross was too great for Demas. And so these men are placed in close position that we might learn valuable lessons. And so we have Abraham and Lot. And in almost every respect, Lot compares unfavorably with Abraham. Listen, Abraham was generous, magnanimous. Lot was greedy, worldly, selfish, self-centered. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Lot made his home in a city that was built by man but destroyed by God. A city was known over the world and down to this very moment as a city of terrible wickedness. A city that once was lies destroyed beneath the waters. Abraham became the father of all who believed. Lot was the father of those whose name is a perpetual infamy. Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's go on. Abraham was made the heir of the world while the curtain falls upon Lot with all of his possessions, his family destroyed in Sodom, and himself dwelling in a cave. Oh, the tragedy of a wrong choice. Now, as we look into the 13th and up to the 19th chapter, just quickly, we see that there are at least six, possibly seven steps in Lot's downward tragic life from the mountaintop at Bethel to the cave besides the ruins of the wicked city of Sodom and destroyed by God. What are these steps? What are the steps in the tragedy of a wrong choice? Young man, listen. You're facing a choice, a decision. God help you to make the right decision. Not only for this life. Sometimes you feel checked in the middle of a message just to stop and warn. Would you notice it first of all? I'll read verses 8 and 9. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will take the right. 
Or if I'll depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Magnanimous, generous, what did Lot do? Well, we have beginning at the tenth verse, the first step in the tragedy of a wrong charge. Now notice the wording. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt. Then Lot chose him, underlined the word him, self-centered, selfish, self-seeking, Lot first. I'm going to get all I can get while the getting is good. Let the future take care of itself. And God's Word says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. For if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Listen, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or lo love the one who hold the one, despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 11. Notice it, please, in the 13th chapter of Genesis. And Lot journeyed east. He took the eastward position. What does it mean? Simply this. That in Lot's day there was much idolatry, sun worshippers, and they faced east. And Lot placed himself in the way of sinners. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Lot stood in the way of sinners. He went towards the east. Next, we are told in the twelfth verse, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. He went down from his lofty position at Bethel. He went away from the altar and the tent. He went away from the house of the Lord and went down and dwelt in the cities of the plain. Now notice the wording. He pitched his tent towards Sodom or moved his tent as far as Sodom. No operation of faith. Lot's choice was the result of his own deliberate will. His will against God's will of being a stranger and a pilgrim. Pure selfishness. He did it for his own self, for his own enrichment, and for his own gain. Now, the 14th chapter, verse 12, we find another step in Lot's life, the tragedy of the wrong choice. Now, notice the wording in 14:12, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked. He settled in the city. He moved near. Then he went into the city. And they were wicked according to the 13th chapter, verse 13. Notice, 
But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Man looketh on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Right while I'm speaking, he knows, not only in this visible audience, but in the radio audience, those that are listening to this message who are washed or not washed, Christ, you can't fool. Nothing is hidden. You may get away with it for a while with your neighbors and your friends. God sees. He said the men of Sodom were wicked, exceedingly, very wicked. You jot this down. You go home or read the 19th chapter of Genesis. God pulls back the curtain, the veil over the human heart. And reveal the human heart that is deceitful above all things and read it. How even Lot wanted to sacrifice his own daughters to the wicked men. And later, how the older and the younger daughters bore children by Lot. He became the father of the Moabites and the Ammonites. One thing about God's word is this. God doesn't mince words. He reveals the true condition of the human heart. And coupling with that, read Romans 1.18. You're either in Christ, a new creation, or you're still a natural, hell-bound sinner outside of Christ on the road to eternal separation. God says, whosoever will may come. And then in the 19th chapter of Genesis, I'll close with this. The last step. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He didn't just sit there to waste away the time. It's an expression that tells us that Lot became a ruler, the mayor of Sodom. Successful from the world's standpoint. They would have published it far and wide. A nephew of a mighty man from the Ur of Chaldees comes up. Gets flocks and herds and tents. And now look at him. The mayor of Sodom. A high citizen. But that isn't the end of it. Abraham said, Lord, will you save Sodom if I find so many righteous men? Going down from a larger number down to ten, I think it was. God says, yes, I'll save Sodom if I find even ten righteous men. The tragedy of a wrong choice. Finally, fire and brimstone upon the city of Sodom. And though the two angels tried to persuade Lot to go out of Sodom, he looked back. His heart was still in Sodom. And he lost everything. And he goes down in the Bible, not among the heroes of the Western Gallery of Faith, down as a man who, for temporary gain, experienced the tragedy of a wrong choice. Listen to me now and pray with me. He made a tragic mistake, but listen, there are thousands today that are making a far more Tragic mistake, and that is that when you hear the gospel, that Christ died for you, is willing to cleanse you, that he will not turn away anyone that comes in faith 
willing to accept Christ as his Savior and crown him as Lord, said, I'll make a new creation of him. Cleanse him white. But they're making the tragic mistake that will go down through the eternal ages of unages to the lost soul. What about it? Listen, church member, with your name upon the church row, have you crowned Christ as Lord? If you haven't, you're not saved. You say, I believe, and go on living and making the tragic mistake of choosing the things of the world, you're not saved. What about it? Come clean. Come to the fountain. Put Christ first. Let's bow our heads in prayer and pray with me as I deal with the friends in Radio Land. All the tragedy of a wrong choice. God help us today, Heavenly Father, that no one leaves the radio or turns it off at the close of this hour or leaves this visible audience making the tragic mistake of a wrong choice, not accepting thy offer of grace through Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. For the things that are round about us are seen are temporal, but the unseen things are eternal. And there's an eternity ahead. And if you turn your back upon the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world and reject him, it'll be eternal separation in the ages to come, without hope, without God, without Christ. God bless you as you're making the decision. Kneel right by your radio and give your heart to Christ today and say, I want to crown him as Lord of Lords. While our heads are bowed in this visible audience, how many will put up their hand and say, Brother Fuller, I mean business. I want Christ as my Savior and I'm crowning him as Lord today. I'd like to be remembered in a word of prayer. I'm coming clean. Will you put your hand up and say, pray for me? I want to accept this Lord of all. Put your hand up and say, pray for me and make the right decision today. Anyone in the visible audience just before God bless you back there? I'm hitting pretty hard. I mean it. No halfway measure. If you really mean business with God and want to accept him as your personal savior, and crown him as Lord today. Put your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior. On the lower floor here. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. I'd rather have three or four mean business than to have 40 or 50 that don't mean business. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Down here on the lower floor, before I go to the balcony, do you mean business with God? Up in the balconies to my right, put your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to accept. God bless you, my dear man. Anyone else up there? God bless you. God bless you down here. God bless you here in the middle. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balconies to my, in the rear. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up all over this. Up in the balconies to my left. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, do you mean business? Come clean. Let us continue in prayer on the old-fashioned revival hour as we go off the air. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking, bidding you goodbye. 
trusting for God's grace to be with you next Lord's Day. Continue in prayer, no one leaving the building. Thank you.